Miles Beckler is one of my favorite online marketers. Why? Because he's successful, has a great attitude, and he's honest. He tells you the good and the bad. Plus, he hates the hypey, salesy side of online marketing almost as much as I do. Miles and his wife, Melanie, run an incredibly successful authority site in the spirituality space. And Miles also runs a personal brand site where he talks about online marketing and has a YouTube channel with well over 100,000 subscribers now, which is a lot in the B2B space. He's recently started a brand new authority site in a niche that he has little to no experience in, and he's documenting this journey. I caught up with Miles for an action-packed interview where we find out how this site is doing, how his approach to online marketing has changed recently, and why a systems thinking mindset is taking him forward in leaps and bounds. This was an incredibly fun interview, and I know you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast, Miles Beckler. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. So it's been around, I think, two years or so since we last had you on the show. Uh, what have you been up to since then? Oh, mate. Growing, growing, growing. We have uh, four main websites that we're working on now. I think when we last talked, it was two. I was pretty much all in on YouTube before now my blog. Uh, YouTube's over 100,000 subscribers. My blog, based on that YouTube content, is now getting 50,000 visits per month. Business is good and the team is growing. Nice. It's so great to hear when, you know, you maybe haven't talked with someone for a little while and then you just get sort of periodic updates, but every time you talk to them, it's like this another plateau that they're that they're on. It's that's really cool. So for for those people who have not heard of you or did not listen to this podcast two years ago when you were last on, can you just give a quick sort of sixty second intro of as to who you are and why they should continue listening to you on this episode? Absolutely. So my history with making money online goes back to 2003. I was doing affiliate marketing on MySpace. So I've got about 16 years experience here. I uh, went full-time in 2010. My wife and I co-founded a website in the spirituality space. It's an authority site. And we started it with literally $95.40 for a domain and hosting. We were flat broke. I literally had to move back in with my parents, type broke. Had already sold both my cars, type broke. From that, we have made multiple millions of dollars through mostly content marketing, growing email lists, making offers. And then in 2016, I started teaching everything we did to grow that brand from my YouTube channel. And within three years, that's now at about 115,000 subscribers. And we've got a couple of other affiliate projects that we're building also. So really, I can help you understand in this podcast what it takes to bootstrap this, to go from zero and just pure hustle and, and that burning desire. But we're also probably going to look at once you get to the level where you have good cash flow, how do you reinvest that intelligently in your business to keep growing and start to maybe buy back a little bit of your time, which is where I'm at this point. That's awesome. And I really want to focus in just before we kind of get into this on your your the beginnings of your YouTube journey, because you did this thing, I think it was a 90 day challenge to get going with that. You talked about it last time you're on the show. And I referenced this probably about every six or seven episodes when I'm talking about how people should build habits. Like this example you have of, of starting your YouTube channel, and you're now at 
115K uh, subscribers in a B2B niche, which is really impressive, by the way. Can you just quickly remind our listeners, or for those who haven't listened uh, to the previous episode, tell us quickly about how you sort of what what led you to start that 90 day journey and what was the the results of it yeah so you know back to my wife and my co-founder project in 09 my wife loves writing she's a blogger for sure she loves crafting content and and kind of like writing a draft and then the next day she'll revisit it and the next day she'll make it better and better I hate doing that to be perfectly honest right I tried to force myself blogging for so long and then I got challenged at a personal development uh, seminar, uh, Kyle Cease, and he was like, do something that scares you every day for 90 days, right? Like the idea that being, that feeling uncomfortable, being outside of your comfort zone, that's where growth happens. And I'm, I'm all big on growth, right? So I was like, you know what? I've tried blogging. I got all this knowledge. There's fake gurus out there charging too much for rubbish information. I need to share what I know. And I just took it and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do 90 videos in 90 days. My first videos were absolutely terrible. And my wife started her blog with a 90 day challenge of blogging. And then what happens in that course of 90 whatevers, and you can apply this to podcasting, to blogging, or to doing a YouTube video. But what happens is you're going through so many learning curves at the same time. There's the learning curve of like, okay, well, how do I film myself? And then you're like, wow, my audio stinks. How do I make my audio better? And they're like, oh, my lighting sucks. How do I make my lighting better? Then you're like, okay, well, how do I publish this? And how do I write a good title that's going to get clicked? How do I make a good thumbnail? These are all separate learning curves that we have to go through. And if you're doing a video a week, it's going to take you years to gain competence, right? I'm not even talking about being good at it. I'm talking like the bare minimum of competence to be like, okay, I get how to do this. And if you really kind of look at like snowboarding or surfing or any physical activity, the first day you're falling all day. The second day you're falling all day. And if you only go surfing or snowboarding once or twice a season, you're never going to get great. But if you go live next to the mountain for a season and you go skiing every single day, about 90 days in, you just really start to be able to rip. And it's because you build all of these little supportive muscles. And the same philosophy applies with content marketing and creating. And all too often I see, you know, comments of people, they're like, okay, I did 30 posts or I did 30 videos. Why don't I have any traffic yet? And it's like, you haven't even started yet. To me, the starting line, like the commitment of like, I am actually going to do this. Like day one is actually after you finish your 90 day challenge. Cause that just means you understand the absolute basics of what's going on. You kind of know how to do keyword research. You kind of know what an H2 tag is. You kind of know the bare minimum. And from there you have those core basic fundamental skills that you could start to build on top of. And I think it's a race to a thousand, whether it's a thousand posts or a thousand videos. I think that's really the big goal in mind. So if that's the race, like what am I gonna do? Just mess about and waste time or get on my horse and get going. I think what particularly makes this so great for someone like me who I would consider myself a perfectionist and typically when I approach something new which is outside my comfort zone, I'll try and gather as much information about it and learn it in as much in advance as possible. But if you think of, you used the example of, of snowboarding, right? You can go on YouTube, you can read a book, you can do whatever to get information about how to snowboard, but you will not learn a thing until you get out there and follow over a bunch of times and, and just just do it like there's a learning curve which you can only progress through through the actual experience and i think that having the challenge as as, as you you had there with your your 90 day one it kind of forces you 
regardless of what happens to make those mistakes and to like figure out all the problems you had, like with your lighting or your sound and, and just not have to worry about solving all these problems all at once, but just focus in, okay, so today I'm going to make my lighting a bit better. How do I do that? And, and you kind of gaining experience as you go. And and 100% agree with you on that. And when you revisit it every single day, you don't have those moments. We've all felt this. You come back and you're like, okay, what was I working on? Wait, how did that work? And if you're doing one a week, you're going to get to it next week in life and this and kids and family and job. And you get back to it. You're like, okay, wait, how did I do it last time? Versus every single day. It just drills it in. And I 100% agree with you. It forces you to publish content. My first videos are kind of cringeworthy. I watch them to this day and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But I did. And it's, we get better with time. So there's an idea that like, if you had a garden hose on the side of your house all winter long, the first time you go out in spring and turn on the garden hose, the water that comes out of it is going to be brown and nasty. That's what our first videos, that's what our first blog posts are. And nobody finds those. But if you let that water run long enough, it's going to get clear, crystal clear, drinkable clear. And that's what you want to get to. And how do you get there? It's just produce, produce, produce. And when you condense down that learning curve, you become better more quickly. And that's where we all want to be. So let's just condense the time down to get there. Now that you have kind of established yourself in the online marketing industry, you have this big YouTube channel, you've done something recently, which is you've started a brand new affiliate site. Is, is that how we would describe it in a, in a new niche? What led you to do this? And why did you decide to, to sort of, sw- I don't know if it's a switch focus or, or start this project? No, mate, like why go back to step zero again, right? Like I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. So my wife's brand is a personal brand. It is built on her love for spirituality, her ability to make these specific types of meditations. I brought, when I started my YouTube channel, I brought like 13 years of experience of making money online, you know, 10, six years of full-time experience. So that's also a personal brand. It's the Miles Beckler brand. So I have a large segment of my audience who was looking at this, be like, well, yeah, that's easy for you because you, you are an expert. Like I'm not an expert in it anything. I'm like, well, you don't have to be. You can literally just choose a niche and just go. And finally, I had to put my money where my mouth was. And I decided to to start over and do another one from scratch. So I'm not going to share the, the niche or I'm not bold enough as some of your case studies have been. So those case studies are great examples. But what I'm really trying to do is I chose, I literally chose something that I'm like, I kind of know what those things are. Sure, we'll go with those. I thought it had a fair potential to go beyond physical products. So it's kind of like an Amazon review site at first, but I think I can see a direction and an angle that I could maybe take it to info products at some point, which is that's kind of a nice light at the end of the tunnel. And we're just grinding it out from step zero. It's a new case study. So every month I'm updating how much I'm putting into it and my little tweak on it. So you know, at this point in my business, I've generated millions of dollars online. Okay. I am so insanely busy that my goal is to actually outsource 90 plus percent of this. And for people listening who are like, yeah, I ain't got money to outsource it. I get you. I was there, fam. I know how that is. You can do all the work that I'm paying to be done. Right. So I'm hiring writers and I've got a project manager to keep it on track. If you don't have money for that, great. That's where time comes in because that's where everyone is in one of two camps, right? You either got more time than money or you got more money than time and that's it. And if you feel like you don't have enough of either, then you just got to start waking up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning and and re 
claim those best early hours for you because most people are giving their best hours to their day job and they come home tired at night and like, oh, I don't have any time or energy to work on my thing. Cool. Set your alarm. Wake up earlier. Pay you first with your best three hours a day. Work on your stuff first. That's what I did when my wife and I were grinding this out literally from my parents' house when I was 30 because I went flat broke. We used 100% pure effort to get there. So so now I, my thought is it's twofold. Number one, I get to show the process start to finish the challenges. It really keeps me on the leading edge of what's going on. It keeps me in the absolute dirt, um, which I, I need to be there because that's kind of what my brand is teaching what works now. On the other side, I've done real estate investing. I have been considering investing some of my personal monies into real estate. And I actually have two specific real estate deals going on. But the thought is, can I put in essentially what I would put into a down payment for a small rental property into an affiliate site and get better cash flow after one year than I would get from an actual real estate investment because we know websites are liquid. You know, there's a there's an aftermarket for these things. You can get a 20x, 30x monthly profit multiple on them. So it, it's kind of an experiment from an investor level at the same time. So the fact that it hit all of those levels at the same time was like, I, I really felt like I have to do this at this point in time. And what were you expecting would happen in the first few months versus what actually happened in terms of traction, in terms of traffic, and in terms of just any any curveballs that you found in there? Oh, mate. So here's the good part, right? My wife and I, I've done this in my first rodeo, as we would say here in the States. I've done this enough times to know that the first six months are nothing but challenges, struggles, fires, and annoyances right? I just don't expect traffic yet. So I'm, I'm four and a half months in this is I'm working on month five right now. I really think that at the eight month mark of aggressive publishing, I'm assuming I'll be somewhere around 60 or 70 posts at that point. I'm expecting that's really when I'm going to start to see the traffic ramp up. And we're right where I expect to be all kinds of challenges. Amazon has changed terms of service. They're sending out like notifications of, uh, you know, APIs, all everything's changing. But that's what every single time we built any business, that's what it's been, right? And and it's easy to sit on your hands and think, oh, well, it was easier back then. No, it wasn't. In 2049, right, 30 years from now, when I'm going to be in my 60s, we're going to look back at 2019 and be like, oh, mate, those were the glory days. Those were the days when it was easy, right? Today, it's still easy. And the trick to realize is that this game's just never easy. Like this, it's way more difficult to build a business from scratch than it is to go punch a clock 40 hours a week and get a paycheck. If you want the easy path with life, that's it. This ain't no passive income, like swing on a beach, drink Mai Tais. That's not the reality of being a digital entrepreneur. It's more work. It's more challenges. It's more difficult. But the lifestyle freedom is pretty freaking amazing, right? I can go spend two months surfing in, in anywhere I want, right? And my business will keep growing. And I can put teammates in. So there's benefits to it. But so I just expected the challenges from day one. And we're right. I'm, I'm just neck deep in mud. And I'm constantly going back and forth with my project manager on challenges. One of the biggest challenges has been scaling our content and editorial machine. We're doing three posts a week right now. I really want to get that up to about five posts per week. You look at Josh Dunlop with the photography site, one of you guys case studies. I mean, that dude's like, I did a site colon expertphotography.com search and like 2,380 something URLs indexed. Holy smokes. That dude has just been 
publishing an insane amount of content and that's why he's winning. So I'm like, how do I just build this content machine? And I'm looking at the whole game, like it's a factory, right? And so on the intake where, you know, Henry Ford would bring in raw metals and then there'd be a frame and they put wheels on the frame, they put an engine, then they put the body. And on the other side of the factory, you get cars rolling out that are painted. I'm looking at the, it's a content factory. So we need to bring in ideas. We need to bring in keyword phrases and then the research and then, then which are the best products and then the good content and then the SEO optimization and the off page and the backlinks and boom on the other side. So we're, we're building all of these systems that need to all work together so we can essentially take a list of keywords in one end and be cranking out great, high quality, perfectly optimized articles on the other end that all get outreach done with and for them. What does that process look like at the moment? What are some of the specific things you're, you're doing it's a disaster. <laughs> no, it's it's not that bad. It's challenge after challenge after challenge, right? Because so when you build something yourself, right? So the first website, my wife and I did ourselves. I did the keyword research. Melanie did the writing. I laid everything out and did the search engine optimization on the blog while so while she was writing, I was picking that next keyword phrase. And so we had this little back and forth. So I'd get a piece of content back from her and then I'd be like, cool, here's your next keyword phrase. And I'd go lay it out. And that was our system. And it was great. But you know, we could do one or two posts per week type thing. Now, when you add scale to that. It's a very simple system. When you're like, cool, let's get 200, 300 posts per year done to the tune of like, I want to do 20 or so posts per month. The best analogy I have for what happens is it log jams. Okay. So you have a river and you're trying to float down logs down the river to get them to the, to the timber mill. That's how they used to move a lot of logs. That's how logging happens in a lot of communities. So all the logs will turn sideways and create a dam and get jammed up and you got to go in and then you got to like break up that log jam. And what happens? All those logs rush down to that next choke point and then they create another log jam and then you fix that one and then they go create another one. So that's what we've been experiencing, right? So the first one was like, okay, keywords, what keywords We're starting with a brand new domain, just purchased it this year was not a used domain. It didn't have any authority. I'm starting from ground zero, like everyone else probably does. Okay, well, how do we rank? What, what keyword phrases can we actually rank for? So there's keyword research, but then there's keyword research with extreme focus on low difficulty scores. So then once we are okay, now we got enough of those. Okay, I think we can rank for some of those. Cool. Well, now how do we research all of the products? This is actually one of the biggest challenges for us right now is competent research of the product. I could spend hours and hours on Amazon be like, well, I don't know. Is this one the best one? Is that which one's the best budget one? Which one's the top pick? Like, I don't know. Like, so trying to bring in a teammate who is actually an expert in this field to really kind of condense down. We've had three people come and go. So one of the biggest uh, ongoing themes is, is people is getting the right people who can stick around, who will keep showing up and deliver. But then once we got those going, now the congestion is on the content. I tried one content team. I made the mistake of buying 12 because you get a better deal if you buy more, right? So I bought 12 articles from them at first. They just did not hit the mark. And then they were unwilling to fix. What you said a, a content team, was this uh, an existing company that sells content or you hired them? No, productized service situation. So now we're now we're following the Authority Hacker Pro blueprints at this point because we were like, oh, maybe that's a shortcut, right, to to leverage someone else's systems. Because there's that idea that you know your biggest problem is actually someone else's solution. So just go find the person who holds the solution of what you want. But when they weren't willing to to fix the problems, and I mean they were just so far off on some of the stuff, it was like that's not even the thing. The keyword set that's not even the same thing. Like it's not even in the same ballpark, right? It's like if you got a site on on kitchen knives and they like put 
putting start reviewing blenders on it. You're like, dude, this is like there's no relevance here. So then we had to take that back in to my editor. And so now not only did I have to find another team for the next ones, but my editor team had to go spend weeks now fixing those problems. And because you've produced so much content already, that's already created a, a whole backlog of work for them to go and fix. So yeah, I, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Exactly. And now, so that that editor who I kind of want to write our stuff in-house, he doesn't really have time to start on new stuff in-house because he's actually fixing things. So that's where I'm kind of like using the editorial. I'm thinking like iWriter, we're going to try some iWriter folks and, and try like, because now I'm adapting on the fly because the system, the way I thought it was going to work, just flat out isn't working that way okay so then moving forward publishing right so i've had a a teammate on my team for a very long time he does all my theme theme customizations we had him laying out our our templates because they were super specific templates but now i need him to work on my wife's side i got he needs to do other things in my business he's he's so now he's overwhelmed and there's no way i can do four posts a week with him so now i'm finding another team for layout stuff and and backlinks. So like I'm hiring for a backlinks guy because now like all of this stuff needs, we need outreach, right? So I need an outreach specialist who can research. And so I'm hiring somebody for that. And I think I found a great person for that. And like, mate, it's a gigantic mess at scale. And it's kind of a gigantic mess. It's, it's just a little mess if you're doing it on your first one. So even doing it my third time now over, like, it, I don't know, there's, there's just no magic to it, right? I just don't think it ever gets easy. But as entrepreneurs, we embrace challenges. We look for challenge, like great entrepreneurs look at large groups of people and be like, what is your absolute biggest problem? Cool. It's that. Wow. That's really, I'm, I'm going to fix that for you. I'm going to create technology. I'm going to create content. I'm going to create something that's like, I don't just solve my problems in the world. I'm looking to solve other people's problems at all times. So I'm literally dealing with problems all day, every day. And that's what great entrepreneurs do. So I embrace this. I'm like, this is right where we're supposed to be. I love it. You're you're always learning, you're always adapting, but you, you're also like kind of quite honest here because a lot of these challenges you're facing, we also face, I think everyone who's starting a site, no matter if they're kind of beginner, intermediate or advanced level, they, they, they have the, the same challenges again and again and again. And it's not like you can create some kind of universal process for keyword research or content creation or link building that you can just slot in your site a new site to every time and it's going to work perfectly there's always differences in every industry and in every niche you, you you go into if you were to start another site let's say tomorrow based on the learning that you've had over these last few months from this new site what would you do differently so I learned about the, the KGR idea. I think it's uh, Doug Cunnington, maybe is his name. So those, the posts we've created focused on the KGR, the, the keyword gold ratio, those are actually ranking and indexing more quickly. So I think I, it's a way to kind of search. You're essentially searching the all-in title search parameter in Google to find the posts that have extremely low competitors with your exact keyword phrase in the title of their page. I think you could probably put that all-in title search parameter if you want below. So that has actually helped us get ranking. That's where our traffic's coming from. So our first batch of content was actually focused on way too difficult of keyword phrases. And that was our second batch of content. We didn't really get to that until month three. So I've done smaller content buys from a larger variety of content providers to try to find the people who are actually really, really good. And I would have focused all of them on way lower difficulty keyword phrases. The other thing that I'm, I'm kind of like thinking a lot about is the ability to migrate into like 
recurring monthly commissions. What niches allow me or afford me the ability to promote things that are recurring, like, you know, the fitness world, the yoga, like some of those things have monthly memberships that I can promote. Uh, a lot of this is one-off stuff. And a lot of this is Amazon-based stuff. So that thought of leaning towards info products, leaning towards membership programs, leaning towards recurring commission opportunities would be another kind of core thought. And I think a lot of physical products can actually bridge that gap, but some of them are, are more difficult, I would say, than others to get there. And that's kind of the off the cuff, off the top of my head, what I think would be the refocus. In terms of traffic, so you know, we're starting a new site from a brand new domain. You don't expect traffic for the first six, sometimes even more months or there any serious traffic at, at least. It's been my observation, particularly for people doing this for the first time, that they tend to get a little bit disheartened around about month three, four, five, when they've done all that initial work, they've done their keyword research, they've done what they consider good content, they've produced it, uh, maybe they've started a little bit of link building, and they're getting single digit traffic or double digit traffic, something like that. Not many sales, and they're thinking, does this really work? Should I keep going? As an expert, so as someone who's done this before, you know that the pot of gold is just around the corner. What would you say to someone in that position to convince them that it is actually there and they should keep going? Right. And you kind of touched on the my willingness to be honest in this scenario. And that's why I'm so honest. There's so many people trying to sell you quote unquote shortcuts that aren't actually shortcuts. Like the get rich quick schemes out there, the fake gurus out there are, they're just prying on you. They're selling you false hope that this is easy, that they make it 10 grand a month is common. It's normal. It's easy to do. It ain't. So I feel like being honest in this kind of scenario helps people get the right perspective. Cause once you have the right perspective, everything works from there. And I hear you, my thumbnail for month three update was um, most people quit at this point, or this is when most people quit or something to that tune, because I think you're 100% right. It's a lot of work in the beginning to get going. The lifestyle freedom that you can create through a digital business that gives value to millions of people is unlike anything in this world. I have friends who run VC funds that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I have friends who have built and sold startups for over $100 million to Twitter. I have friends who make have great jobs. Nothing touches the lifestyle of being a digital entrepreneur. And you need to keep that fire stoked. And you need to have some external reasons why you're going to be willing to put up with these challenges and get through this. You got to have a really big why, right? Like every time, every day I show up to work, I am working to fill accounts for my 70-year-old self, my 80-year-old self, my 90-year-old self. We might live to be 140. The current model of savings and investing and, and retirement does not account for the fact that humans might start living 120, 140 years old. So I got to keep going, right? I'm working for current today miles and that future miles at that. So you got to have a big why. If you got kids, if you got a family, you want to spend more time with your, find that thing inside of you that, that fires you up to the point where you're willing to set that alarm for five o'clock in the morning. You're willing to grind it out and keep going. So at month three, we were getting literally one, maybe two visits a day on average. One thing I really like to look at is in Google Search Console, I look at the impressions. That I think is the leading indicator. That's really one of the more exciting indicators that right now my impressions are up something like 1300% month over month. That excites the heck out of me. And I just have this patience of like literally... Just to interject there, that an impression is basically someone has searched for a keyword and landed on a search engine results page where you're featured. They're not necessarily clicking because maybe you're you know, position seven, eight, nine 
they go to just to number one. But you're, you're getting visibility at least, and that's likely to show up faster than actual clicks. So you're saying that that's a good motivator, right? Yeah, it's my leading indicator. It means that Google's picking up my site, that I'm starting to get shown, that it's working, right? It's it's air quotes, it's working. Because that's where people, they feel this gap. There's this huge gap. There's slack in the slinky. You pull the slinky on one side, it takes a long time for it to go to the other side and come back. And it's in that middle, in that chasm where they're like, wow, is this really a thing? Like, did I just, what? And doubt. They allow in the seed of doubt. And the only way to keep it out is to keep filling your mind with great content. This podcast is one. Stay in the group, stay connected to people doing it and look for those leading indicators that show you things are working. Because like you said, I might be showing up at number nine, I might be showing up number 10. But what I really start doing at this point is I'm geeking out on my title tags and on my descriptions, because that's the click through rate. When you show up, when you're getting impressions, if you are not getting a good click through rate, or if you can find posts that you have where you're getting like a half a percent click through rate, but your site average is a 4% click through rate, that is just clear data that your title and description are not compelling users to choose you. And eventually, if you don't fix that, you're going to follow page two, page three, and page four. So it's it, this is kind of part of the cycle that we're looking at. And that's another cog in my machine. That's another station in, in the factory is to loop back and be like, cool, what do we get impressions on? What's the click-through rate on that? Is it is it up to par, up to snuff? Because I think that's actually one of the, the big things we could do. Shout out to AB rankings. Do you guys use that tool? Are you familiar with that one? Is that the AB testing of title tags? I don't think we use that one specifically. There's quite a few out there that do more or less the same thing, but it's a really, the, this concept is a really easy, quick win for most people. It is. And and obviously, please put whatever your, your link, your affiliate link in the show notes, because like I stand behind this type of a tool, whichever one it is. And we actually built like an in-house console that my SEO guy can search like he can cross-reference like 10 or 100 URLs at the same time, but that's the game. And then just to know, like, this is a three-year thing. Making money online, lifestyle income, it takes five years. And I got to say, hats off to you, Mark. You guys have some amazing testimonials. You guys had that one dude. I think he did like a pet site. And like, I think it was like eight, nine months in, he was making like seven, eight grand. It was like, damn, that dude was on fire. Like that's an outlier. And it's great to see it's a three to five year plan. And when, when we're just okay with like, cool, I'm three months in a three-year plan. I'm like a 10th. I'm not even a 10th of the way into this. Yeah, it's a long path. It's like hiking to Everest, right? If you're just, if you're impatient that you're not at the top and you ain't even hit base camp one, like really, like it's it's all perspective and mindset, really. But it's so worth it in the end, dude. You're about to go like to Bali for like a week, you know. Like re- ah, I just want people to to share in in the lifestyle freedom that it creates, which is so much more valuable than the the actual income freedom, in my personal opinion. You mentioned that you had done or were looking at a couple of real estate investing deals recently. You also referenced that you were kind of had these savings pots for 90 year old miles or or whatever it, it may be. Have you looked into the financial independence, fire movements and, and this kind of stuff? Is this where you're coming from with your goals? And would you then say that for you, money is a motivator? Great questions. So yes, I follow the FIRE movement. Shout out to Reddit, subreddit, financial independence. The one difference there is I think a lot of those people in that FIRE movement are like engineer, they're employees who hate their job. 
Okay. And so they're like, how do I save and, and how do I only deal with this lifestyle of working a job for 12 years instead of 30? Cause I hate this job. And then I can live super cheap on my investments. I think we, and I'm, I'm assuming you kind of share, like we have a very abundant mindset because when you get into the world of digital entrepreneurship, there is no ceiling to how much money you could make, right? I'm literally building structures that can get me to $3 million a year and $10 million a year. I have friends, I was networking with them all that are in my space in the spirituality space who are making 10, 15, 20, $30 million a year right now. So like when you come from that perspective, like, yeah, okay, save 20%. I, I am extremely frugal. I save a ton of money. I invest. I want my money's working for me at all times, but I don't believe there's some point in this world where I'm going to quote unquote retire. Retire means to withdraw from. What am I going to withdraw from? Like, I love this. Mark, getting to hop on a call with you. Like, how quick did this, this podcast pull together? You hit me up like late last night or yesterday evening. Let's do this. And I was like, cool, win. I can do it tomorrow morning. You're like, I woke up this morning. You're like, let's do it. And we're, I love this experience getting to connect with you, share with you. I don't want to stop doing this, right? Look at Jay Abraham. He's in his like 70s. Dude is a baller marketer. Still speaking on stages, still doing his thing. Dan Kennedy writing letters from freaking hospice bed. I don't know if you followed any of that. Like, like I am in a forever space and I love it. And I'm excited to be in this forever space. So that's kind of where the, the fire thing, I'm a little bit contrasted in many senses, but at the same time, cash flow management is a thing. And I've seen a lot of digital marketers and digital entrepreneurs. Remember I started pre hummingbird, pre-Panda, I know you went through those days, uh, pre-Penguin, I know you went through those days. I know people, acquaintances and forums making 30, 40 grand a month went to zero. People, you wanna talk about depression, the stuff that happens, and a lot of these people were renting mansions, they were leasing supercars, Italian cars. These people flashing Italian supercars and mansions to you are flashing you symbols of liabilities. And if you don't know the difference between a liability and an asset, you need to go educate yourself because they are just showing you how broke they actually are living a cash flow lifestyle. And the day that game is up and people stop dumping two grand on their stupid courses. Like, cause most of the courses that level are ridiculous. Mark, you literally have the one and only course at that level that I actually put my name behind and recommend period. And I had to clarify that, but like the game is about to be up. We're in a good economy and things are going sketch. So I'm all about a big emergency fund for people to make sure you got a fallback plan. I'm all about investing intelligently to take care of my future self. And I want to diversify in, in many senses. So there's the idea of invest in what you know, which I know digital marketing. So that's where like, oh, if you're good at it, Miles, why don't you just build another site? Yep. I'm doing that. Actually, I got two more on top of the two. I got, but then I also want to kind of invest outside of that space, which is where real estate comes in. I actually follow the fire, the kind of index fund idea very clearly, but there's questions like if everybody's in index funds, who's buying the other end of those buys, right? Like that actually is actually a big experiment. I've got something called infinite banking, which is an insurance kind of based program that if you ask the fire people, they're going to be like, that is the worst deal in the world, but I'm a very high income entrepreneur. So I'm playing a different game than they are. And that gives me the ability to I'm essentially building an account that I could borrow from. So if I want to go buy a place in the tropics in Costa Rica, which I can't get a mortgage on that, I could lend myself that money while it grows at 6%. Okay. So I'm, I'm building all of these different assets and I'm essentially, and I take the same philosophy with growing a business. I don't want one source of traffic. I don't want one affiliate program. I want literally at least four different 
traffic sources. And I want at least four different monetization sources for each of my websites. And now I want four different websites with four of each. And I could lose entire websites. I could lose entire traffic systems. And I will be unfazed because I've built it into the business structure to have that kind of ability to like, if one niche gets clobbered, like, I mean, you health ambition that you probably went through a scare with that, with some of the Google updates recently, but you have your other sites. So everything's okay. Right. And so it's that philosophy in the, the micro on my actual day-to-day business and also in the macro in, okay, so the money is coming in. What am I going to do with this? I drive, I got a 12 year old turbo diesel Audi that gets 50 miles to the gallon, because I think that's a more efficient vehicle than a battery driven car. If you dig in, I'm super like, I don't know. I still live very thinly, but I'm doing a flip on a big, yeah, I don't know. So, so that's, I don't, did that answer the question? Where did I just go on that? I feel that was awesome. Yeah. I I think that this isn't really something which enough people in our space are are talking about. There seems to be this idea that, you know, there's going to be some massive exit in X number of years and we're going to acquire all the money we'll need for our life at that point. Or at least that's, that's the mentality that some people seem to be working to, but I, I don't think that uh, being an internet entrepreneur, you're very likely to to get rich quickly. You're going to get rich slowly over time by saving, by investing, by maybe looking at real estate, maybe building more sites, maybe investing in more sites, maybe doing index funds or whatever else, or some kind of combination of all those things most likely. But what interests me and what I want to kind of get across to our, our audience is from what I've been reading up on the this financial independence, this fire movement. It's really just a very efficient way for busy people who are not, you know, stockbrokers or experts in any one field to manage their own personal finances, to do things with the income they're getting, however much it is from wherever it is, and kind of make that in an efficient way that will compound over time. And they will very, very quickly, if you have a high savings rate, be able to fund your entire existence forever and ever to continue to grow. And the key of that, you, you nailed the key in there and people, most people miss the key, which is massively increase your savings rate. My savings rate is like 80%. 80% of the money that comes into Miles Beckler from my corporations is actually put into some long-term savings thing, right? I'm not buying fancy stuff. I'm not spending it on liability. I'm spending it on assets. I'm, I'm reinvesting it into assets. And that's the big key because then the power of compounding comes over. And this is probably something we could have and should have talked about earlier in when you're in month three and you ain't seeing results. And I'm telling you at, at year three, you're going to have mega results. The reason for mega results is compounding. And the reason my YouTube channel right now is getting on average, I'm putting up like two videos a week. So I'm doing way less videos now than I was in the beginning. And I'm getting something to the tune of 100,000 humans and about 200,000 views per month. And I'm only doing like two a week. It's because all of my efforts have compounded. Okay. So I'm getting traffic from videos I did in 2016. I'm getting traffic from videos I did in 2017. You go search keyword research. You're going to see my goofy face with a hat on. You go search SEO. You're going to see my goofy hat. I outrank Neil Patel for a lot of phrases. I, I'm, I'm in all kinds of spaces. So now that I have 575 videos, I'm getting the compounding effects of traffic from all of that. Then on the index fund side, you put your monies in it and then the monies grow because it's compounding because they're generating interest and then you add to it and then that compounds and it creates this upward spiral. For anyone who's like, dude, I got to figure out this investment world. I got to figure out the game. I totally agree with you. The index funds are like the easy option. There's a website. There's a guy named 
John Collins. It's jlcollinsnh.com. I'm going to send you a link to it. It's called the Stock Series. And he just really lays out why index funds work, how they work, compares it to trying to time the market and trying to be a trader. And I can tell you straight up, for us digital entrepreneurs, continuing to focus on growing your audience to where you're reaching millions of people a month and adding more value to those individuals through your email list, through your offers, through what you're doing, you can scale that faster than you're going to be able to scale investing. And investing is going to be a total distraction from you to actually doing the thing that scales. So I've had to reel myself in and not be like, oh, I'm a special snowflake. I can learn how to invest. I can take my money and make monies with it. Like, no, no, no. I can make a whole lot more money keeping doing what I'm great at in the world of digital marketing. And then I need to be able to funnel it into places that are, like you said, very, very kind of hands-off and easy. That's been the balance. And literally his stock series, it's all free on his website. I think the only thing that dude sells is like an ebook, which covers it, but you can get it all free on his website. It, it really was the aha I needed. So like, cool. Now I know I got to get Vanguard. I got to do a 401k. I'm in, I'm in the States. This is how we roll. Like you got your own thing. I know VTSAX is the fund I'm in. Perfect. I was able to get it to not think about it. Now every year with my CPA, it's like, perfect. She's like, this is how much you can get a tax break on. If you're in the United States, please have an entity and accountant who can help you. Like I could take a huge deduction on monies that Melanie and I put into, that's my wife, into our retirement accounts. I get a deduction, tens of thousands of dollars a year. My business writes off and that money goes straight into my long-term account playing this exact index fund game. And I'm going to play that to the maximum of my tax benefit. And then, okay, with my other monies I want to invest, where else can I put them in a way that's going to kind of help me get to that point of financial security that I'm really after. I think where this becomes so powerful uh, as, a, as an internet entrepreneur is the fact that you have the ability, and you, you mentioned this before, to increase your monthly or yearly income by many, many, many hundreds of times even. Whereas most fixed salary employees, even if someone's on commission, they're generally quite capped by that because they're, they're, they're limited by their time. And the, the, the fact you're building a business gives you or grants you that opportunity to, to leverage your time. And so you can just do this so much more efficiently. But I want to move on now and talk about systems. So you recently described yourself as being, and I quote, all about systems thinking right now. What did you mean by that? And, and what's changed for you in, on that front? Totally. So in the early days, it was like, I had no money, right? Like literally I had to borrow the $95 to get the domain name and the hosting for my dad. And so we just had to do everything ourselves. So all of my energy and focus was on like, create this result. Just, just whatever I had to do to get the results. So at first it was like, how do I install WordPress? Like they didn't do that for you back in 2009. How do I install a theme, right? How do I do a title? All of those things. I had to figure out just how to do it because I was the only guy to do it. And then as Melanie and I grew our first business, we just literally for five, it took us five years, uh, give or take five years to get over that 10 grand a month mark of grinding every day, all day, every day. We said no to barbecues, no to parties, no to everything. Late nights, early mornings, every weekend grinding for five years. Then really within that, we through brute force effort, we created the result enough posts that were well enough optimized that rank well enough that get enough traffic to grow my list that we can now make offers and generate massive amounts of cash flow on demand. Okay. So that's what we built the first time. And I really didn't know how I did it other than like, I just took that next burning fire in front of me, that next most urgent thing in front of me. And I went in and did that. 
not project manage my productivity system. I got a notepad file on my computer. It's called three things. It's a text file. And literally I just write the three things that I have to get done this week on it. And then next week I show up and I'm like, here are the three things I have to get done. So that's the old way of doing it. That's the non systems thinking to get back to, to try to stay relevant here. I think you and your kind of hustle, your drive, your energy around this kind of epitomizes why this can actually be really good because you're about to say kind of what you're doing now and how you're doing it a little bit differently. But I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think they have to start coming in, building systems and doing that straight away. Like most people, when they start a business, they are in like mega hustle mode. They, they have that drive, right? They have that inner entrepreneur starts coming out. And I think that just, just watching your videos, just like seeing how you talk about this, like the energy you have around that is, is really great. And I, I think it's, it should be harnessed. But it's kind of now that you've had, you, you've done that multiple times for multiple businesses that you're starting to see kind of a different shift in the matrix as it were. Well, let me put it this way, right? So I've been doing 70, 80 hour weeks since 2003, 100% focus on digital marketing. Let me repeat that. I've been doing 70 to 80 hour weeks for 16 years, made millions of dollars online doing it with this hustle, but I'm ready to ease up a little bit and put some key people in some key places and make sure that I want growth curve needs to not only keep going, I want that growth curve to accelerate beyond what I can do myself because I am physically limited by these 80 hour weeks. I hit 80 hours in a week. My wrists bug at this point, dog. Like I try to geek out on ergonomics. We have the same uh, mouse and keyboard. I remember seeing that in one of your Facebook lives. At some point, it's just unsustainable in some regards. So that's where I'm at. And I think you gotta embrace the hustle. Here's the other thing. You can't build a system around something you ain't done before. Okay. So I own authority hacker pro the authority site system and the backlink blueprint course. And so I'm plugging my people into your stuff, but I still have to know how it works because what happens when my people, you know, I'm trying to get relatively inexpensive teammates who probably an expert in backlink building. I just threw out a job on it. I got people like $125 an hour. Yeah. Okay, buddy, that's going to happen. I'm looking for the, the seven, 10, 12, $15 an hour people who can take this on, but they don't know how to do it. So who are they going to go to when they have questions? This guy. And what if this guy doesn't know how to do those things? So the first phase is skilling up, right? We need to learn. And in my time frame, I, I didn't mention this really, but it's, it's worthy of kind of noting in the time frame that five years before Melanie and my website was making full on cash flow, I was doing WordPress and SEO work through it wasn't even an agency, it was just a hustle for local businesses. So not only did I have the experiences in my stuff, I was doing keyword research for local yoga studios for just like local, a ton of local businesses in a little vacation town. So I really tripled down on experience in all of those years. So I really have done, you know, the amount of keyword research I've done in the years is absolutely astounding. So building the skills is absolutely like got to skill up. And then you'll hit a point where you're like, cool, what's the best use of my time? What's the best use of my money? The 80, 20 rule. I'm sure everybody's familiar with that. Like 20% of what I do as Miles Beckler gets 80% of the results. If you do the 80-20 rule to the 80-20 rule, you end up with 464, which means 4% of what Miles Beckler does creates 64% of the results. How do I keep Melanie and I focus on that 4%, which is my videos, my emails, the stuff that's this podcast right here. Ain't nobody can, I can't outsource a Miles Beckler podcast guest spot on Authority Hacker, right? So these are the things I have to keep doing, but what are all of the other things around me that still have to get done that I don't have to do? 
Cool. So that's the goal. Everything keeps getting done that I don't have to do it. And eventually I'd like it to be done better than I would do it anyways. So what do I need? I need systems or processes and the right people. And once that's all built correctly, I can just go forth and do the fun stuff, speaking on stage, doing these types of collabs, doing my videos, helping people, help my inner circle members. And then there's just my videos, make it on my podcast, my videos, make it on my blog posts. I get people doing outreach to get me more backlinks to my content. And I don't really have to think about it. I don't touch it. If something catches fire, uh, if there's a dumpster fire floating down the street, I, I hear about it and I jump in at that point in time. But theoretically, that's happening less and less and less because we have systems, we have processes in place. This was the first place Melanie and I invested, right? When when the income really started coming in, I paid off all my student loans because debt is the enemy. And then from, well, bad debt is the enemy. Good debt is another story. If your debt's for an asset that creates enough cash flow, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, from that point on, when the money was big enough, it was like, wow, we actually can afford life. We actually can like put money in retirement. I can pay my taxes now. Holy crap. That's amazing, right? I'm not putting taxes on credit cards anymore. Then we just started investing. How do we bring on people to take things off our plate. Customer service was the first system I built. And then from there, it was development and design. A lot of our WordPress development and a lot of our um, our Pinterest marketing, still crushing it on Pinterest. We get 2.5 million, reach of 2.5 million a month on, on Pinterest right now. And just, we are crushing it on Pinterest still organically. I can't get their paid system to work. And then Facebook ads, right? So now I've, I've gotten really good at running Facebook ads in a very specific way. Guess what? I brought on a guy. He, he's run paid ads for a small company. He does about a million and a half a year in revenue from, for them. Now he's running my paid ads my way because I've taught him my system. And you know what the best thing for me to learn my systems has been? My YouTube channel, teaching others. Right. That is amazing when you when you go in and I'm like, okay, so I've been running Facebook ads kind of haphazardly. I'm in, I'm out. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm gonna teach this on YouTube. Damn, I gotta get my ish together. I gotta like, what do I do? What when I, what am I doing here? So it's literally that that whole like SOP thing, like starting to ride it all out. I think you guys had a great podcast on SOPs that you should put in the show notes, but like write out all the steps, figure it out. Okay, who would be great to fill this role? How do we get them doing it? better than I, not, not as good. There's that whole like, oh, if they can do it for 80% as good as you can do it, that's great. Get it off your plate. No, I want people who can do it way better than I can at a budget price. If I was to put it in a philosophical chamber, that would be the, the chamber I would put it in. What results have you seen after implementing this in terms of your, what your typical day looks like now versus 80 hour a week miles? Well, I'm still hungry, mate. Like I'm still on it, right? I think that every day is a blessing. I think that every day that the YouTube algorithm is still my friend is a blessing. Every day that Google algorithm is my friend is still a blessing. So I'm just working on higher value things right now. Split testing my opt-ins, split testing my sales page, a lot of split testing, you know, even split testing my title tags, really trying to geek out on those incremental improvements because this goes right into the power of compounding. So if I can take a click-through rate on a post that's getting currently like two and a half percent click-through rate and get that thing to like 4% click-through rate, doesn't sound like a big deal, but that's actually, my math's gonna be off. It's almost a 50% click-through rate improvement. It's about a 46%. So I could potentially see 46% more traffic from that one. My wife's site has over a thousand posts published. My site's got 300 posts published, not to mention this whole machine I'm cranking out for the others. So I'm in here fiddling with like, okay, how do I improve these? And I'm starting to actually work with software people to, to create software to help kind of automate some of these, some, some like internal software tools that, that can help me kind of automate some of these processes to where I can hand it off to other people and make sure it gets done right. Uh, software seems to be a great 
tool in, in helping that happen, the right types of software for that. So I'm still, man, I'm up, I think I was up at 5.30 this morning. I wake up about 5.30 every morning, probably worked about seven o'clock at night. I go for a couple of hikes a day. I meditate every day because when you have this level of a grind and a hustle, you have to have some recharge. You have to have something built into your schedule that's going to charge you up or else you're absolutely going to hit burnout and drain. And that is the ultimate enemy. If you look at professional athletes, they build recovery time into their schedule and professionals are able to get back on that horse quickly. Whereas rookies, they take a week off here and there, a month off or, or life hits them in the face. Hey, life hits everybody in the face, right? I got family members, all health problems, like death, like all kinds of stuff goes on, but I'm a pro here. I can't treat this like it's an optional thing. This is my business. I've even had out teammates, freelancers who were like, Oh, I got this going on in my life. And they just stopped showing up for two weeks. Like you can't stop showing up for a desk job. Why do you think you can stop showing up for me? I can't stop showing up for me. So it, it's that kind of approach. So really it, it's isolating and fine tuning those little hinges that swing the big doors in my business today, keeping everything going, keep all those plates spinning while looking at like, okay, what are those small tweaks I can do? Because if I can go in and improve my click-through rates by 20 to 40% on 300 posts that are ranking currently in the number six to seven spot, and those posts jump up to the number three to four spot, and the click-through rate improves, my traffic's going to go on my wife's side from 850,000 visits a month to like 1.2 million visits per month. And that means my list is going to grow by the same clip. That means my income is going to go at the same level. So it's it's kind of like identifying and, and tweaking with those things at this point in time. It's really interesting. You, you talk about that CTR thing because I've noticed that for some more like established websites, it's so much more, the amount of value I can add is so much higher in areas of like optimizing existing content or existing opt-ins or email funnels or whatever, rather than trying to go out there and, and build up new content hubs or new content, different targeting, different traffic, whatever. How do you feel like your split between kind of improving what you have already versus starting something new? And I don't mean a new site. I mean, like, you know, writing a new article that targets a, a new keyword has changed over time. Yeah. So my wife and I both are publishing probably less new organic content today than we have in the past. Like I said, I'm doing about one or two videos a week for a very long time. I did three a week. And then there was that period, 120 days. I actually did a video every single day. So I have pulled back my frequency on the audience growth level content a little bit. I'm doing a lot of split testing on YouTube, split testing my thumbnails. That's the big thing on YouTube to man. One little increase in a thumbnail can double your click through rate for sure. So a lot less time there and a lot more time focused on improving it. But again, I, I want to reiterate because it's, I don't think it's an either or it's both, right? Like, like, and that's where you're at. I'm, I'm guessing like you have your content team, your editorial team, like they aren't trying, you're not trying to slow down how much content is being published. And actually, I think my blog is actually getting more content today than it ever has because my team's just going through my old videos. So I'm publishing personally less front-end, new front-facing content, but my content team is actually publishing more content to the Miles Beckler blog today than they ever have. And it's better and it's optimized even better at this point in time. So it's kind of a weird scenario. Emails, I still email my list, I would say on average five times a week. I've probably emailed thousands of emails in the last few uh, years. To me, that's a more important and a more valuable task at this point. My list is only 11,000 subscribers, but they know me, they like me, they love me, they look forward to my messages. That's what I actually want. I don't want a giant list. My wife's got 120,000 subscribers. She emails about four or five times a week. And then 
So I got a little inner circle membership. My wife's got a membership and she creates new products. We spent a lot of time focusing on like reducing churn and increasing engagement with our paid people. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you think about it in three phases, there's the audience phase, there's the email phase, and then there's the the monetization, the customer phases. What we're trying to do more and more is shift our day-to-day Miles Beckler 4%, Melanie 4% to the email subscribers and to the actual paid members, because those are people who've taken a step in our direction. They've raised their hands. Those are our most ambitious people. I'm not going to stop that front end content. I got to keep my videos coming out. My my blog team is going to keep that content coming out, but I'm really wanting to make sure I am delivering on my promise of great value to my email list and, and great helpful stuff to, to all of our members and our customers on that sense. I don't know if I answer your question or even remember what your question was, but that's what I felt like saying. So if I missed it, remind me, my man. I wanted to ask you as well. So what is your inner circle? What you said it's a membership site. What what do you sort of teach in there? Yeah. So my whole goal with my YouTube channel was to teach everything for 100% for free. Like there's so many people charging for information. I went through a series of courses. I bought one like thousand, two thousand dollar courses. And this is one of the traps when you start making good money. You're like, oh, that course has the secret. I need to buy that course now. And you go through it and you're like, what? They charged two grand for that? This was horrible. So I went through that on a couple of Facebook courses and one SEO course. And I was like, there's something wrong in the world right now. There's a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. A lot of people teaching how to fish, but they ain't never been fishermen before. And if you want to learn how to fish, you got to study under a fisherman. So I was like, I'm just going to teach this stuff for free. And I really, for two and a half years, I just did everything for free and I wanted to be the free, but people kept asking, well, Miles, that's great. But like, how does this apply to me? Like, I see how you're teaching me how to set up and run my Facebook ads and you're teaching me how to analyze the data, but we all feel like our situation is different. You, Mark, could probably look at at any one of your students who are in action and got 3000 visits a month, right? A hundred visits a day. You could probably look at them all and see exactly similarities of where they're at, what they need to do next, where their opportunity lies. But each one of those individuals thinks that they're in a very unique situation and they think it's different. So your one video that's kind of generic feels like it misses the mark. So in the comments, it just became apparent that people wanted a little bit more access to me. So it's essentially a private forum where people can ask me questions. I do a lot of funnel reviews, ad reviews. I've put some deeper dive trainings in there for my people as well. So that's kind of the the thing I've got on the end for, for people who just, they love my content and they just, they're like, Miles, please help walk me, hold my hand and guide me to that point. They want more access that that's what I created for them. And that's a monthly membership type deal. I know we talked about this a while back, but have you ever considered releasing like in course format or what led you to choose the membership model? Courses are often promoted as like to sell a course online, it kind of needs to be, you know, like this is the thing. Like you're doing all this stuff and it ain't working yet because you're missing this, this one thing. And I don't love that kind of persuasion, even though obviously in my sales letter, I tried persuasion. I don't know. I'm, I'm a studying copywriting for sure. But like courses can go out of date. Like how many times y'all update? I'm a member. I have a pretty good idea of this. Like how many times have you guys updated Authority Hacker Pro? Oh God, it's it's really like in our space as well, because, you know, every single tool is changing all the time and Google and everything else just changes so fast. I sometimes I'm like, wouldn't it be great just to have like a course about how to play the piano or something? It's like that, that shit is not changing for like 50 years at least. You know? Ever. No, the keys that Mozart played on are, is the same layout, right? Like, and that that's it. So one of the most logical places for me to have gone would have been to make a Facebook advertising course. Everybody's doing that. Then I would have been just another 
one in the crowd and Facebook literally would change the interface the day after my course was launched. And I would always feel like I have to keep updating it, this, that, the other. So I didn't want that. Also, I've taught all the tactics, right? They're literally for free on my YouTube channel that like all of the tactics are available. The ambition, the mindset, that like willingness to persevere in the face of like, dude, nothing is working. Why is this not working? That's really what people need help with. It's really that level of accountability. And I feel like a forum is a great, I hate Facebook personally. I advertise like crazy on it, but the actual user experience in a Facebook group is rubbish at best. And a forum allows us to go back and forth with people, little tweak, they've got their own thread. Here's my ad. Well, you kind of like, maybe if you start with this hook or like go study Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, try this, and we can build this progress over time. And I've got some people who we've been going back and forth for a year. They're making massive amounts of progress because it's like, and you know how it's these, we were talking about a minute, it's the little incremental tweaks. It's success online is a million tiny things. And if you sell a course, you need to present it as success online is this one big thing. And it's not, it's a million little things. And I felt like the only kind of way that I could actually help people on this path is to create like a a community. And that's the, one of the other side's Every, you, you're just at home. You're waking up at 430 in the morning. It's freaking dark, right? You're up at like, you're way farther north than I am. Like how late is the sun showing up for you, right? You're up. You're- uh, dude, well, so the clock's just going back uh, this Saturday, I think. It's not getting light till like 730 AM or something like that. So I wake up yeah. at 530. So that's literally like multiple hours of darkness that I'm by myself. And then in the evenings, no one in my community gets me. No one in my local, nobody gets me. So it's, it's that other side of, of like, you're not alone. We're all going through this together. It was kind of a convergence of all of these ideas that I think is why this was the thing for me to create. And also, I guess the last thing, so here I am teaching online, here's how to do it, right? Like build an audience, grow a list, then you make offers to your list. I wasn't making any offers my list. I wasn't like all the way back to, if I teach people how to do all of this, I need to be doing it. I've done it with my wife. We've sold hundreds of products to, to tens of thousands of people, but like, there's something about writing your own sales letter, about putting together your thing. Like the day before I launched it, mate, I was like up with my wife, like, Melanie, I'm nervous. Is anybody going to, is anybody going to buy this thing? And she's like, shut up. Like I, she's felt that a hundred times. I sold hundreds of them on the first day. Right. But that doubt, like I had to experience that because that's what every one of my students is experiencing. So it's yet another one of those things of like, I had to kind of get in to the weeds and I couldn't just be like this. Oh, I do free stuff on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Like no one else can do that. Right. Like the only reason I was able to do that is because I have built a million dollar business already. Like everybody else like, well, I don't have a million dollar business. It's like, my beef with Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, right? Like great book, been through it a few times. It's kind of the Bible for nomads. The dude's problem was that he had an $80,000 a month business that, oh, poor me, my $80,000 a month business is taking up so much of my time. I was like, I read that. I was like, dude, I hate you. Like you're literally whining about, so you walked away from your $80,000 a month business and it didn't fall apart. Okay. So how the F do I build an $80,000 a month business? Because that's a real question. Let's be real. And so he positioned it great, brilliant marketing. It's actually a pretty good book. It, It did stir up some ideas. It was great for our community. But at the same time, here I am saying like, just put out great value, put out great value, build a list. And they're like, well, Miles, when do I sell something? And I'm like, ooh, maybe I need a lead by example in that space too. So it's kind of like I had to take some of my own medicine. 
The four hour work week was kind of the, I wouldn't say the first book, but probably close to the the tipping point for me where I kind of, I got it and I started to think like, okay, this is exactly what I need to be doing. So followed it for a while, but quickly realized that of course, nobody, and I, I don't know a single person that works four hours or I don't know anyone that works less than 20 hours a week, really. But I actually heard recently that Tim Ferriss did not choose the title. It was he he had something else as a title, and then the publisher suggested it because they thought it would sell more or something like that. So Yeah, and a little bit deeper on that story, I think it was selling drugs for fun and profit was the idea he had. And then they split tested it and they actually ran Google ads and they were split testing just straight clicks. And they had like a dead lander. There was no button, there was no book, there was nothing. They just used text ads on Google to see which one got a higher click-through rate. Was it the money from selling drugs for fun and profit or the four hour work week and the four hour work week got it tested massively with a huge click through rate. So again, leverage split testing to kind of guide you on your decisions is, is one of the, the core ideas on that. And, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to trash the dude at, at all, but like it, it is another one of those books that builds the false belief, like a lot of the fake gurus do that it's, it's somehow easy. And everyone, you know, like Josh Dunlop, that dude works a lot. Like, sure. We hung out on a boat. Like I went on a cruise with Josh. We went on Nomad cruise, met up in Cartagena, Colombia, and we got on a boat and we rode the boat to, uh, Portugal together. So 14 days crossing an ocean. And like, we were cool. Like we didn't have to get into our business, but like that dude went to work when he got there. It ain't done. All the successful people, all the best entrepreneurs to hear it. We're driven by something. There's something inside of us. I've tried taking vacations. I lived as a digital nomad for four years. I lived in 20. I had no home base, literally lived out of two bags, 20 different countries, roaming around beaches, this, that, the other. I've tried hammocks and hanging out. I'll read marketing books nonstop. And after about two days, I'm like, this is so boring. Like I am here on this earth to give value to other people. I'm here to help others. I think every human being is here to help others. And when we embrace that uniqueness that is us and we start to share it with the world, it feels really good. Fulfillment is not directly tied to how much money we make. There's a correlation, right? If you ain't making nothing, fulfillment is a very, very far off. But from 50, 70 grand a year up, fulfillment doesn't change much. So if you go from 70 grand a year to 700 grand a year, the amount of satisfaction you feel out of life does not increase significantly. Okay. Fulfillment's what I'm after. I want to live a happy, enjoyable life with love, with friends, with community, this, that, the other. So it's kind of like just focusing on that little bit different goal. I'm not trying to, you know, oh, I make billions of dollars and I don't work any day. Uh, no, I, I actually want to help people. I really do. This is a really great uh, sort of transition into my last question. So you mentioned the word community there. It's something I've, I guess, been struggling with a little bit since I, I moved to the UK. I don't know so many people here. There are, there are no like, well, I mean, one or two internet marketers in, in the city I'm living in, in, in Edinburgh. But it sounds like, I think you, you mentioned something earlier in the show, you, you kind of have a similar problem there. Like nobody kind of gets it or gets you in your local community. How do you find that community elsewhere online or in some other form and how do you find that and, and what does it do for you so and i mean you know let's look back where we met right we met at a conference at a breakout session in bangkok and like that that's where we physically met that was for we never emailed or facebooked before that and it was like oh this dude's cool like i kind of got to vibe you out a little bit and be like is he just another fake guru like no this guy actually knows what he's talking about like awesome so for a long time i went to seminars and when we were nomads to make my life tax deductible i essentially just went from one business event to the next to the next so i was in 
Manly Beach, Australia for super fast business. And then I was in Bali for DMSS and, and on and on and on. I don't like the conference part. I hate the conferences unless I'm speaking. If I'm speaking, I'm having fun. But even then, like I just don't like conferences. But I love the connections and the conversations in the hallways. I love going to dinner with the, the interesting groups of people you meet at those things. So I started at one point, I did a really high-end luxury mastermind where I rented over the top ridiculous houses. One of them was 34,000 square feet, which is I think about 3000 square meters. I flew in private chefs. We had a team of seven. We rented an 80 foot yacht and it was a seven day mastermind for like, it was 20 room place for like 20 entrepreneurs. I loved that. It was like all the fun parts without the conference. So now I'm looking at some kind of like one month nomad skill building things. And this is to Tim Ferriss after kind of talking smack. He, a lot of his travel was based around learning a skill. He did the tango dancing and the, this and the Kung Fu or cry or kickboxing. So there's like a surfing. It's like a one month surfing thing with nomads. They have a co-working space. They put you up. It's in Peru. So I love meeting people who are willing to travel because it means they're adventurous. They're, they're willing to get out in their comfort zone. There's something about travelers, like, like just, there's like a bond there, but I also like meeting people who are in the digital nomad digital marketing world who are actually doing things. A lot of digital nomads just want to play on Instagram and think they make themselves look successful. Like I want to meet the people grinding it out and, and building real value for millions and millions of people. So I don't have a perfect answer for that. I will say I'm just waiting on pins and needles for an invitation to speak at the authority hacker conference. Yeah, you're like the second person who's asked about that literally today. So. <laughs> Anybody listening at this point, be sure you comment and email and put up in the Facebook group, like, when are you guys doing an event? I'll fly to UK. Like, my wife really wants to go to Ireland, which is really close to where you're at right now. We could do a nice little, you know, let's just do it in September or something when the weather's nice in the UK. So it's, it's this kind of thing, right? Where are our people? And right now, we meet oftentimes in in the digital space. We meet a lot in the digital sphere and I'm looking at doing another high-end retreat, but you know, those are like $5,000 a ticket to $10,000 a ticket, depending on where we go. That's a lot of freaking money for some people. For you guys, you would get your value back massively. You know, it, it could fit into what you do, but for a lot of people. So I'm also like, how do I create this blend of an experience myself to bring people together to start to build that hands-on community? So I don't have a great question. I just miss Vid Summit. I, I think next year I'm going to go to Vid Summit because I do so much on YouTube. And I don't know, I didn't go back to the the Bangkok event we met at. I just, the event's annoying. The people were cool. And like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, do you have any tips on that out of curiosity? Not really, to be honest. I mean, uh, you, you sort of mentioned about like us doing a conference and, and that. I talked to people who have organized it and everyone says it's just so much, like it sucks all your time. Well, if you'd like, I'll, I'm going on the record here. I have an event lady who puts on events professionally. So pretty big mastermind. He's big in Australia. So he put on a big event in in. Southern California. So he's an ocean away. This lady handled all the logistics. She ran the uh, Bug Free Mind Mastermind, which is 120, very exclusive. It was like 10 grand per uh, couple mastermind in Vegas. She did all of that event. So she is a absolute pro and I'm going to send you their email address. So everyone listening, hit them up, do the authority hacker event. Like it's because there's something about bringing people together. Sure. We're going to, you'd have to figure out like the song and dance on stage. There's some production level stuff that needs to happen, right? The value you would be giving your audience in allowing them to meet each other, to sit down, to be like, damn, you guys are really doing that much. And that like, it becomes so real. And one thing I've noticed, so Melanie and I's 
first, our, our big website is in the spirituality and meditation space. I got some friends in New Zealand. Quick story, I'll let you go. So these friends in New Zealand are running like a fitness site and they're like, it's general. It's a, a monthly membership for an online gym. It's very, very general. And they're like, dude, you guys are doing how much revenue with like angel messages? Like what? She loves horses. So she ended up kind of mixing her love for horses and specifically a type of horseback riding and fitness. And she was like, you know what, if you guys can do that in that super small niche, I want to try it. So they, she makes a fitness training program for horseback riders of the specific type crushes it literally magnifies like they spent like five years building the online gym and what they did in a year and a half with this other one that was more focused exploded. How did they have that idea? We were hanging out in the backyard, sitting around eating pizza, shooting the breeze, and it just clicked for them. So that's the importance of community. The question is just how do we do it in a way that doesn't like drag us under, you know, like just, just wear us out. So I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to help in any way I can. Let's talk about this uh, after we we stop recording. But I I like the idea of doing more a kind of mastermind focused event, like a bit more intimate, a bit more interactive, rather than just have, you know, 500 people sit and watch someone talk on on stage for a couple of days. Right. We build all this lifestyle freedom. So let's go hang out in pools, on boats, on beaches versus, okay, sit in the structured room and get lectured to like, no, 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 no. That's not why I built this business, right? I want to go have fun with cool people. And yeah, it, it, magic can happen. If people want to connect with you, if people want to follow you, if they want to join your membership, how do they do that? Where do they find you? So I'm the only Miles Beckler in the world. I was blessed with a unique name. So you can just search anywhere, right? I'm most active publishing on YouTube, but just search for Miles Beckler. I'm everywhere. My membership program is pretty much always closed. Like I rarely open it up. It's contentandconversion.com, but there's like a waiting list there. But really just, just connect up on social, connect up on YouTube. If you watch a YouTube video, leave me a comment. Please let me know you saw it on this podcast. Mark, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate getting to connect with you, my man. Uh, pleasure and I always appreciate having you on. It's always great to to sort of hear the next plateau you're you're at. You know, I was saying at the start when we first connected, you were kind of like doing just starting your 90 day challenge or 120 day challenge, and then you got 100k subscribers. Maybe in another year or two, when we do the next one, you'll you'll get that one million. Who knows? Who knows, mate? And maybe we'll do our next podcast live from a beach somewhere cool, hanging out with a bunch of uh, authority hacker heads. At Authority Hacker Live. Uh, I better go register that domain now before someone takes it. I love it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Miles, for, for joining. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next Monday with another episode. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.